What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Big Easy Bets podcast. I'm your host, Logan, and with me in the studio, Nick Von Brick. Arriba, arriba, viva la Mexico! This is episode 49 of Big Easy Bets, brought to you by the Neutral Ground Sports Network, www.tngsportsnetwork.com. We got blogs going out daily and all sorts of other content. Uh, UFC 251, that's the the main thing on the card today, um, Saturday, Stipe versus Cormier, the trilogy. Potentially, it's looking like Cormier's last fight before he rides off into the sunset. Uh, we're talking Pelicans and Alvin Gentry, who is on the hottest seat of all. Uh, Damian Lillard dropped 61 points after his beef with Patrick Beverly and Paul George. Uh, it's been announced that no fans will be in the Superdome for what's looking like potentially the first two home games. And what else? What else we got? Um, Big 10. Big 10. Pac-12. And the Pac-12 are no more. They canceled. They're saying they're going to play in the spring. So we'll we'll start with that, and then we'll ease our way into this episode. And uh, I guess, I don't know, we'll see when we get to UFC, make our picks. But, yeah, so the Big Ten announced that they are postponing, as they said it, the, the football season for the fall, as is the Pac-12. They're going to look to play in the spring, uh, which off the top of my head, I think that's a bunch of bullshit. So what do they expect? these kids to do like Justin Fields just what what year is Justin Fields going into his junior year or is he yeah. going into his sophomore year his junior yeah, year. yeah that's right because he's with Georgia then Ohio State now yeah so do they expect Justin Fields to uh like like what are they going to do with the draft like is the is the NFL draft going to be postponed or is it going to go as usual they expect him to play in the spring and then go hop right into a NFL training camp yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, look, if if the if the Big 12, the ACC and the SEC play in the fall, then what are the Big 10 and the Pac-12 playing for in the spring? Exactly. But my also too, I think Ohio State's won twice in the last 20 or no, the Big 12, it might have been a, I think it was both Ohio State actually. Has won twice in the last 20 years. So, if they sit out Odds are you're going to get your champion out of the SEC or the ACC and potentially the Big 12, even though they don't ever fucking do shit anyway. Um, so you're going to – whoever wins out of the three major conferences that are playing, that's your true champion in my opinion. I mean, I know you don't have Ohio State to go through, which will probably be in the college football playoff if they were playing. But two in the last 20 years, I mean, come on. Whoever wins out of the SEC or the ACC is going to be the best team regardless. Yeah, I think so, but what I also think is that if the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 play in the fall, then I don't think that the Pac-12 or the Big 10 are even going to no, care yeah. about playing in the spring. Yeah, they're going to But if they did, it. then their best players probably wouldn't play because the spring is when NFL prospects prepare for the NFL draft. Yeah, no, they're going to so, sit I mean, out. It, does, it wouldn't make any sense for them to play and risk getting injured right just right before the NFL draft. Well, it's like look at Trevor Lawrence and Jamar Chase. What are they playing for right now? Because they're, they're going to be surefire first-round picks. Trevor Lawrence is probably going number one overall. They want to play because, as Jamar Chase was quoted saying, he's locked in with this team. 
and they're trying to win another national championship. So these teams, this team, the teams in the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they don't have the national championship to play for because the the best two conferences would have already played. And then you also have the draft coming up when, as you said, they're getting ready in the spring. So what are they going to have to play for? There's way more risk versus reward. There is no reward, really. So if you like for those guys that are definitely going in the first round and have already got plenty of footage out and all that, what are they playing for? Right, yeah, they wouldn't be playing for much of anything in yeah. the spring. So I think this is a stupid idea. It's a pansy-ass move, if you ask me. Uh, I think Nick Saban said it best. Like, why are we pretending that if they if they play football, they're guaranteed to get the virus? He, he quoted it differently, but we're acting like if, if they don't play football, then they're good. They're not going to get the virus. They're way more um, – I, I think they're safer – inside the facilities getting tested every day. If they go home, they're not getting tested every day. They'll be lucky if they get tested at all. So they're going to, they're in the facilities. They're getting tested every single day. They're on high alert because they don't want to test positive, potentially infect the whole locker room. So they're on high alert to make sure that they really watch what they're doing and stay clean. And then, I mean, they're being monitored. They monitor every, every calorie these guys intake, like, this is the safest that they're going to be. But we think that playing football in a, in empty stadiums is putting them at such a health risk. And now they're worried about, they're worried about, Oh, the long lasting uh, heart issues. They know nothing about this fucking virus, but yeah, now, they're making shit up. Yeah. Go look at the f- symptoms of the flu. Like one of the potential like effects of the flu is heart issues. We get the flu every year. Like, these guys are in perfect shape. If there's anybody to roll out there and say, fuck it, it's these guys because they're in, they're 22 and in perfect shape. Nothing's going to happen to them. Like, and granted, there could be one who has some underlying health issue that he doesn't know about, gets the virus, and then winds up dying. That's worst case scenario. That would be absolutely terrible. That's not what I want at all, obviously. Um, But... I just, I think they're safer playing than they are going back home. Kylan Hill, the Mississippi State guy, was like, I don't want to go back home because everybody's home right now and uh, people are dying every day. Like, a lot of these guys, I think Trevor Lawrence said it, a lot of these guys don't come from good situations. They're where they're at today because of their athletic ability. So if you send them back home, you're putting them back into a very tough situation where a lot of things could go south. So I don't know. I disagree with this decision wholeheartedly think it's a pansy ass move i it's just nobody wants to be the first one to go through with it and have something happen and then get the finger pointed at them it's not they don't give a shit about the health of these kids they don't care at all they're worried about protecting themselves from a potential lawsuit that's all it is in my opinion i mean make them sign a waiver i'm sure they'd sign a damn waiver to play yeah it's gonna have major impacts on the future of recruiting too oh without a doubt and you wonder if uh, these guys might say, uh, never mind, we'll play. No, I know. Because I think, you know, what they were thinking was everyone would just follow. I know. You know, <laughs> like, know. all right, the we'll big, be the first ones, but yeah. everyone else will just follow and we'll all play in the spring. Well, the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 said no. No, fuck that. And I'm, gl- I'm so glad they did. We're going to play in the fall. And now the Pac-12 and the Big 10 have – 
to reconsider, in my opinion. I mean, what else can they do? Yeah. They're going to skip out on a year of football? If they, if they fucking backtrack and say, you know what, we'll play. Dude, the Big Ten commissioner is going to get fired. The Big Ten commissioner is going to get fired. There's no way. You can't. What, just what, the total lack of leadership. What were the two schools that voted to play? They claim, see, that was what was so weird. They claimed it was Iowa and Nebraska voted in favor of playing the season, 12 to 2, um, 12 in favor of canceling the season. But then Jim Harbaugh came out and was like, I had no idea that we voted on this. Ohio, and I, yeah, I'm the sure president the voted. Or, yeah, or the president. Um, but but all, Scott Frost, who's that? Nebraska's head coach, he said, we're willing to play without the yeah, Big Ten. Yeah. No. So it'll be interesting. This, the pet, the um, Big Twelve hasn't released their schedule yet. I I don't think. Well, okay. So didn't Nebraska come from the Big Twelve, or am I wrong on that? I don't know. Who did the Big Twelve lose? Didn't they lose some teams? No, I thought they did. I, I they could, gained. I, I could be tripping. TCU a few years ago. Yeah, I don't. Well, regardless, um, they're saying that yeah, a lot of these schools could look to play elsewhere. I don't even know how that fucking works. Like, well, like, would one of the other major conferences allow? Well, like, if Ohio, a team like Nebraska or, or Iowa, to, well, say Ohio State says we want to come play in the SEC, they could just do that. Uh, that, they they have to be granted permission. Like that's you know I don't know how any of that works. Um, but that, but yeah, no, they could surely. I'm guessing they have the right to part. If the Big Ten isn't playing, then they have the right to play somewhere else. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm fucking so here for that. You tell telling me like a lot Ohio has to be State, figured out. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, throw them in the SEC and the ACC. Throw them in the ACC first off because the ACC is garbage outside of Clemson. So throw them in the ACC is where they should go. But imagine them in the SEC: LSU, Ohio State, Bama, Florida, Michigan. Who else? Auburn, Georgia. Throw in Penn State. Like you have a fucking top ten matchup every week. Like. That would be fucking awesome. That would be incredible. That would save this college football season in a heartbeat, in my opinion. If you have, if, if it's a top 10 matchup every damn week, every game is a primetime fucking game, I think that would be incredible. It'd be great for sports betting and for watching. So Yeah, there's still a lot to be figured out. I don't know what the NCAA has said about any of this yet, just yet, but obviously... You know, they'll have a final say on everything, probably. Yeah. No, I... But, yeah, it would definitely be interesting if, if we saw teams join other conferences to play for this football season. And it's a thing Nick Saban's been a proponent of is that uh, the Power 5 schools play nothing but Power 5 schools. They don't play anybody from the FCS or or any other FBS teams. They just play Power 5 schools, play Power 5 schools. And he said that would eliminate all playoff arguments. Yeah. Which he's pretty much right. So this year we're kind of going to get that if we move forward with the three conferences that we have because they'll be playing Power 5 opponents every week Yeah, within their conference. But still, there's no... There's not as much of an argument of strength of schedule because all these teams have good recruiting classes and all of that. That the players are there, the coaching staffs are there. Yep. So we'll no, see what happens. I'm I, I'm feeling confident that there's going to be college football in some capacity. 
I really do. I mean, you got Trump endorsing it. Uh, you got Coach O being shouted out by President Trump and all of that on Twitter. I, I just, I feel good about college football. I could be wrong. I could definitely be wrong, but I'm feeling confident that we are going to see um, some college football for sure. But again, the Big Ten, such a, just a weird situation. I put an article out on it on, uh, on the website and just, I, I think I labeled it college football chaos because that's what it is. They're coming out with this vote and then, Another report comes out that there wasn't a vote, that that was false. And it's like just all of this, like literally fake news, like people just saying what, just anything. Like there's no validity to, you You never can tell what's true and what's not. And that's such a problem with where we're at with the media in uh, this day and age. But I don't know. I mean, last we talked about it, we said we're at eights that the college football – that may have been once it got started that it will finish. But yeah, 80%. Where are you at now, 1 through 10, that there will be football? Oh, I don't know, probably a 6. I'm going to put myself at a 7.5, maybe even an 8. I feel good. I, I think it will happen, but I don't want to – Jinx it? Yeah, I don't want to, like, build myself up to believe it's happening and then it not happening. Yeah. I mean, because I'm banking on it happening. Yeah. All right, let's talk about, uh, before we get into the Pelicans and Alvin Gentry, let's talk about the Saints a little bit because I put out a couple articles last night. Um, Drew Brees. Drew Brees is turning back the clock. Been working with uh, his throwing coaches and all of that. They said Drew Brees is throwing bombs again, 60-yard bombs. He's got his arm strength back. He's got his arm strength back. He said he's using – he strengthened his legs to uh, alleviate pressure from his arm. Been doing all kinds of like out of out of left field workouts, like on using a paddleboard and a lacrosse stick and using tennis motions and all kinds of shit. I don't know. He's doing it in his backyard, um, but they're saying that Drew Brees is slinging bombs. So it makes sense because um, if you look at like how Peyton Manning's career ended, you know, yeah, noodle arm. Oh yeah, he didn't have any. Strength behind the balls you're starting. He got lucky and won the Super Bowl behind a fantastic defense. But, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest critique on Drew Brees at this point in his career is that he doesn't have the arm strength anymore. But if he's working on it, it's something that can help him because uh, he played just fine last year without having a a very strong arm. Yeah, all of these morons. Somebody, we need to get rid of Drew Brees. Go get rid of yourself. Um but, yeah, so then report came out that Alvin Kamara played um, almost three-quarters of the season um, on a torn MCL. It was so, meniscus or MCL? MCL is what I read. Oh. Well, I knew this um, blackjack dealer named Tina. Her mom tore meniscus. I do remember her. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure Tina's mom was not uh, – Accounting for 1,300 yards from scrimmage. But I guess you never really know until you know. But, yeah, so the game in Jacksonville. I actually saw the play that had happened. Uh, didn't really look that bad. He kind of looks at his knee and then gets up. But that was he did miss two weeks, and then he was back at it. But you could tell something was wrong. His demeanor was different. Um, his production declined. But uh, no surgery was needed, apparently. A lot of rehab, and he went to a vegan diet. So... Alvin Kamara is looking poised to uh, uh, come back, to say the least. You know what I mean? Right. 
So what are you thinking? You thinking we're going to see rookie year Alvin Kamara? I don't know. I think uh, his sec- sophomore season was more. Better than his rookie year? Yeah, I think the key here is uh, Alvin Kamara is the type of guy like you want him to be playing every down. Yeah. But uh, you really can't afford to have him playing every down. So I, I'm okay with Latavius Murray, dude. Latavius Murray ran the ball well. I, I really did. I felt like Latavius Murray did more than enough to warrant getting the touches that Mark Ingram was getting. No, I think so. And um, it's just we have to be better on first and second down. Yeah. So we're not putting ourselves where we necessarily have to really. Third, third and six, third and seven. Yeah, and then yeah. we need Kamara to come in and make a play. <clears throat> so, I mean, it's just taking a little bit more pressure off of him, I think, and I think he'll be back to putting up putting up, you know, 1,500 yards from scrimmage, maybe even 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Yeah. He's definitely a player that's capable of doing that. No, without a doubt. I mean, you can call me a homer, but I really think that we are the best team in the league by far. We have the deepest roster by far. I don't think anybody's stopping us this year. I really don't. You, and that was before I heard Drew Brees was fucking throwing the ball to the moon. Like, you got a healthy Alvin Kamara. We added Emmanuel Sanders. We got Malcolm Jenkins in the defensive backfield playing, being the leader against the young DBs that we need. Uh, Janoris Jenkins coming in, going to get a full season now, happy where he's at, said he's been wanting to be in New Orleans, uh, and now he's really here. You got, like I said, Emmanuel Sanders. He's pumped up. He's happy. said he's going to go win. He wants to win another ring for Drew. You got the best receiver in football in Michael Thomas. You got a top five tight end in Jared Cook. I mean, dude, I, who's going to beat us? It, I'm still thinking we might go sign Jadavion Clowney, and we don't even need him. Yeah. Like, where's Clowney going to go? I have no idea. It's kind of weird that he's not signed yet. Um, Everson Griffin got picked up by the Cowboys, so he's off the market. So, But it's like. I guess he could go back to the Seahawks, which that would. Like, I was reading something that the Seahawks might be out on him though now, like that they rumor has it that they're moving on from the Jadavion Clowney sweepstakes. There, maybe maybe there could so. be very little truth to that. Um, that doesn't mean shit. But the Seahawks traded a lot for Jamal Adams. They did, they, and they did. Uh, to get a pl- another playmaker, like. The JV and Clowney on the side on the on the defensive side of the ball would just make their defense even better. But did you just call him Dejavian? What? How do you say it? Jadavion. Jadavion. You you put it backwards. You switched the J and the D. I said the D first. You said Dejavian. Dejavian. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Jadavian, I mean, my boy. I mean, he's a stud, dude. He he doesn't put up the best numbers, but it's just the versatility. Like I no, think, that's what. It's like when you're pl- when you play defensive line, everybody's always sack, 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 yeah, sack, yeah. sacks. But you look at Cam Jordan, yeah, he's going to get the sacks. But what's even sets more impressive is, yeah, the way he sets the edge, the way he plays the run. Yes, no, I mean yeah. you got to stop the run first in football. That's the first Without thing you got to stop, and that's one thing that the Saints have gotten so good at of in recent years of stopping the run, stuffing the run. Uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to Shel- Sheldon Rankins getting back to a. Uh, his form of what two years ago before he tore his Achilles. I'm expecting a big year out of Marcus Davenport. If he can stay healthy, if he can have a full healthy season, I think Marcus Davenport might be one of the X factors. Um, obviously, Demario Davis at linebacker. 
uh, Anzalone. You got Kiko Alonso, who I don't love, but he's a veteran guy. You got Zach Bond, who we drafted out of Wisconsin, who I think is going to do well, which is what makes me think, like, we don't even need Clowney. We've got outside linebackers. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Nah, Clowney's I think- not a priority, but if we get him, God, if we fucking get him, Malcolm Brown can give him the 90. He can have number 90. I I would love to get Jadavion Clowney. I really would. Um, like, our roster's so deep, we got rid of uh, Taylor Stallworth at D-Tackle, who played solid. He really did. He played well, in my opinion. Um, I think he was the one who stiff-armed Matt Ryan to the ground on that either interception or fumble on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. But um, the deepest the deepest roster in the league. Um, Sean Payton came out the other day, and uh, I got a chuckle out of this, and then I cried a little bit, and he came out and said uh, that, yeah, I mean, really, Marcus Williams needs to work on his tackling. Yeah, I saw, I saw where you, you said. Fucking you fucking think? think, dude? Wait, really? And then Marcus Williams has the audacity to come out and say, mm, yeah, I kind of uh, took my focus off of tackling. Basically, that's what he said. And I need to I need to really pay attention to my tackling. Yeah, you should have paid attention to your tackling in the division round against the fucking Vikings, you dumb fucking moron. You cost me $30,000, so... That would have been nice if you were paying attention to your tackling then, but you did. You tackled Ken Crawley. You fucking get, dude. Marcus Williams is the only player on the Saints team that I don't like. Yeah, no, you're definitely biased against them. I don't like Marcus Williams. I don't. Uh, but but also what what made me like like Shannon loves Marcus Williams. He fucking loves him. Like he's the best. Like he's the best safety in the league. Um, I know he always grades well with pro football focus, but like a lot of his interceptions, he did have a fucking good interception against Houston last year. I will give him that very good interception at a very big time. Um, went up and got that shit over uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but a lot of them were like right to him. Fucking Jameis was blind and was overthrown his receiver by like 30 yards and right into a standing still Marcus Williams. Cause he, cause he couldn't, he couldn't see, he couldn't make out the Jersey color. So he just saw, he's like, oh, shit, he's wide open. And he throws it to Marcus Williams, who just, like, waltzes in for a pick six. So, like, yeah, good for you. But you fucking didn't tackle Stephon Diggs. You tackled Ken Crawley. So I'll never forgive Marcus Williams. He's going to have to get a pick six in the Super Bowl to, like, he's going to have to Tracy Porter a ball in the Super Bowl, and I still wouldn't fully forgive him. Yeah, no, he's definitely, I think he has a a lot of potential, and at times he plays an elite style of football but he's inconsistent yeah and, he is and the times that he's inconsistent it's you, when Our, you when you play the free safety position it's gonna cost cost your team some big plays but no I definitely think uh that play that happened in in that divisional playoff game against Minnesota definitely changed Marcus Williams mentality to where he's a little the bit whole path of his career in my more opinion. of a timid player now and yeah and that's what gets him uh, beat at times. No, I agree. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess if if that wouldn't have happened, I think that we we're talking about a Pro Bowl player right now. No, yeah. But I, I, I think, think that that set him back a big a a lot. It's hard to come back from that. It really is. Your rookie season and and I'm I'm so critical of Marcus Williams now for obvious reasons. Thirty thousand dollars if we win the Super Bowl that year. Um. 
Like I cried literal tears that night. I was fucking hurt. But a lot of people don't remember, dude. He had a crucial interception to keep us in that game in the second half. He had a hell of a rookie year. He really did. I'll give credit where it's due. I'm not blindly critical of the dude. But his second year, he didn't do very much, um, in my opinion. And then he didn't... It was just hard expectations to live up to. But then you tack on how the season ended. It's like all a spotlight is hyper-focused on Marcus Williams. Like, you got to fucking come out and you got to show us something because you cost us that game. You cost Drew Brees one of the best postseason comebacks of all time. Down 17, a 17-point comeback in the second half. Picking up, I don't remember what it was, fourth and fucking 12, the Willie Sneed left side of the field. I remember, I remember it so vividly. It's like I'm still standing right where I was watching the game. I, I'll never forget it ever. But I, am I overly critical on Marcus Williams? Yes, but um, he's not as good as a lot of people make him out to be, mainly Shannon, but it is what it is. I hope he, ha- I hope he fucking lights it up this year. I hope he has the best season out of any safety in the league and we go waltz on into another Super Bowl and curb stomp whoever the fuck we're playing. I really don't care. I think I think we're going to be so damn good this year. It's the final final ride for Drew Brees. So yeah, there's a lot of depth at all the positions. I guess the main the main lack of depth would be cornerback. But but um, I like who we got. I like the two starters at least. Oh and, yeah, no, I, I do. I like but. I like Chauncey Gardner Johnson a lot. I'm not calling him whatever the fuck he changed his name to either. CD Deuce. Did you see that? Yeah, and then I saw. Uh, a brilliant tweet that explained it. Why? What? Uh, it didn't make any sense. Oh, who was it from him? It was just like, don't question me. Is basically what he was saying, but he yeah. said it in not so much of a straightforward way. Okay. Well, look, honestly, you, you, you produce on the field. You're out there getting interceptions. You're locking up whoever's lining up in the slot. Like, I'll call you whatever the fuck you want to be called, dude. I don't give a shit. Yeah, but no, but we have Duff at linebacker finally. Yes. Um, Something that flew under the radar was we signed Nigel Bradham. I know. Yes, I forgot about that. I fucking think that's a huge pickup, dude. No, that he is. He was good with Philly. He was really good. He's a veteran guy. I, I like that pickup a lot because we don't need him to be the guy. We need him to just contribute and fucking yeah, he's be only a solid 30, linebacker. Yeah. No, 30 that's a, years old. That's a uh, big pickup. That's what I'm saying. So we he's played the deepest roster in the league. Eight seasons and... And those eight seasons, he's had 50-plus tackles every year. Uh, in 2018, he had 97 tackles. So uh, He's a piece that helped the Eagles win the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots yep. and a uh, former teammate of Malcolm Jenkins. So, Yep. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that meshes with Jenkins and obviously everything that happened with Drew Brees. Um, but I don't think it'll be an issue. Uh, Sean Payton said that, He's got the pulse of the locker room. He doesn't think anything more needs to be addressed. He thinks we're all in a good place. Um, I'm so fucking excited, dude. Uh, it's really is a bummer that there's not going to be any fans in the dome. At least they said at least for the first or the thir- first week and the third week, the first two home games. So I don't know. I don't feel great about it. We had tickets to go to Tampa um, for the Saints game, and they got refunded without our mm-hmm. consent. So. <laughs> But they gave us a hundred and twenty percent coupon, so we can buy some better seats if they put them back on sale. Yeah, that's inter- It'll be interesting. Not when they when fans do potentially return, they're not talking about a hundred percent capacity. No, definitely not. So I mean, even that's the thing. And to me, it's gonna make college football 
even weirder than NFL. What with no fans? Yeah, yeah, no, because the fans of are so important. Yeah, in college football, a, the atmosphere yes is so much more prevalent to me mm-hmm. than it is in the NFL. Just because you have the fans, the student section, which is a totally different type of fan than yeah, yeah. than you have in professional sports. Yeah, and you then got, you have the marching band. Yeah, you got the band going. So you take you all that students. away, it's going to be pretty weird. Like if you ever watch a spring game. It's kind of weird to watch it. Yeah, no, I have. So I, no, I used it, to watch LSU. It's gonna be weird. Game. It'll be interesting to see if they do try to pump in like band noise. Yeah, I don't know and stuff like that. I think they're gonna try to do that for the the viewers' experience on TV, but obviously, but it's not gonna. I don't think it's gonna be enough to like have an effect on the players on the field. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But I feel like the NFL can kind of go off without a hitch. They're professionals. They're out there. I feel it's like the NBA. I couldn't imagine college basketball with no fans, but the NBA with no fans, it sucks in comparison, but it's still, it's good enough. Like, I think it's, I'm not suffering watching it. You know what I mean? But so with the NFL, I think the NFL will be okay. Um, They'll pump in crowd noise, definitely through the TVs to where it sounds like the same experience. Um, But yeah, college football, the fans are so crucial. Like when you have a fucking, a, a shitty ass team like a Georgia Southern playing LSU, it playing a big school like that. I just feel like there's not going to be any major upsets. You know what I mean? They got to ride that momentum from the fans. That shit helps. I don't care what anybody says. That shit helps. So if there's no momentum for the hometown team that's not supposed to be in the game with whoever the hell they're playing, like one of the top schools, there's no momentum. Like I, I don't, I don't see very many upsets. And those, I mean, there's not really going to be that many games because it's all conference and all of that. Um, but I mean, when fucking who's Clemson play Georgia Tech? Like Georgia Tech's not going to have any shot. They would at least somewhat have somewhat of a shot at home. Like they might get out to an early lead and then fucking ride the momentum of the crowd. You get what I'm saying? Like with no fans there, they're, they're going to get beat by 65. Like they probably would anyway. But I think the fans in college have a a much bigger effect than in the NFL, except the Superdome. The Superdome is the best home field advantage. Yeah. No, it does, but it's just because you got to think it's younger men playing the game. They're not as mature, so mm-hmm. things affect them more at a younger age than they do when once they become professionals and have played the game for longer, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. So there's a lot more to think about when you got – the noise from the marching band, uh, the student section right there in your ear, and you're on offense and you can't hear anything. Yep. So. Yeah. No, I uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to say the least, but I think no fans in the Dome. Um, I don't think it's going to fucking matter, like I said, because we're going to kick the shit out of everybody. But there's no better home field advantage in the NFL than, than the Superdome, when the Superdome's rocking, in my opinion. Uh, that's why I, I put an article out about it. Kansas City and Seattle, who gives a fuck? Like, that's what I'm saying. That NFC Championship game against the Rams, when Demario Davis uh, intercepted Jared Goff, the loudest I've ever fucking heard anything in my life. That literally pieces of the ceiling were falling down. I clapped. Well, immediately I, I screamed so loud when he got the interception that I lost my voice like that. My voice was immediately gone. So I was like, all right, I got to do something else. Like, I got to create some type of noise. So I'm clapping so hard 
just fucking clapping the shit out of my hands. I pop blood vessels in both hands. Like I have like what looks to be like purple fucking contusions on the palms of my hands. I'm like, okay, like I can't clap. I can't yell. Like I was fucked up. I was fucked up more than any player on that field within halfway through the first quarter. We had guys in our sections literally passing out throat soothing lozenges. So you could, and I was, I was fucking hand them to me. My throat over here, I can't even, can't even swallow. So I was taking some, some lozenges trying to, trying to get back in the game. But, um, we literally saints fans are willing to pass out. I, I almost pass out every game, every game The the national championship for LSU, I literally had the worst headache for three quarters of the game. If I even spoke, I was like, I can't fucking, my head's about to explode because I scream until like, I'm like, all right, okay, yeah, my shit, my head's about to fucking explode. And then I stop screaming. Like I push the absolute limits because it makes a difference. If you don't think it makes a difference and you, you're not a real fan. So, but yeah, regardless, empty Superdome. I don't know that it'll be, it's definitely a disadvantage, but I, I this year, no team scares me this year. Not Lamar Jackson, not Pat Mahomes, not him. Yeah, Lamar, Lamar Jackson's a good player, but uh, it'll be definitely it'll be interesting to see what happens this year because it seems like some teams may have figured them out. Yeah, towards the end of last year, but I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for him, you know, because yeah, he seems no. like a good guy, you know. Yeah, I agree. I I don't wish for him to uh, fail by any means. I just until further notice, if he's down by two scores in a meaningful game. He's going to turn the ball over. If he's got to push the ball down the field, he's going to turn it over. I said it all last year. I'll say it again. Um, but so yeah, football about a month away. It is uh, right around the corner. So we're all gearing up for that. But right now we got uh, bubble basketball. We're in the middle of it. We had uh, Damian Lillard go for sixty-one the other night after having Patrick Beverly and Paul George kind of call him out. Patrick Beverly's the biggest joke in the NBA. I hate Patrick Beverly. I really do. That guy, and I get it. He's made a career for himself playing gritty, tough basketball. He's labeled as this lockdown defender, but he never really locks anybody down. He'll kind of foul the shit out of you, and you might lose the ball. Refs don't call it, and he'll dive on the ground. And then he's, like, fucking chirping to the camera and all of that. Like, So it looks like, okay, he's that guy who, like, has no skill, but he's outworking everybody. Mm, not really. He can't score. Uh, he fouls the shit out of everybody. Um, he's the one who uh, hurt Russell Westbrook early in his career when he tore something in his knee because Russell because uh, Beverly took a shot at his knee, going for a ball, but it was like a dirty play. It was. Um, but so they're calling out Damian Lillard, uh, mocking his Dame time celebration where he points to his wrist, um, all of that. So and Damian Lillard. <laughs> Damian Lillard gave him the business because he was like, Patrick Beverly knows all about me, my rookie season. That was when he hit the buzzer beater and knocked out the Rockets in the playoffs. And he said, and Paul George knows plenty about me just from last year when he hit that, like, fucking 35-foot step back right in Paul George's fucking mouth. And I like Paul George. Paul George uh, is one of my, I wouldn't say favorite, but I more likable players in the NBA. But Damian Lillard's so underappreciated, in my opinion. I think his ability to score and just... I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA year in and year out. Um, yeah, that shot he hit against Paul George was one of the craziest buzzer beaters. Hell yeah. Ever. To win the series, and then he hits him with the wave goodbye. Like, 
Yeah, I, and y'all to me, to it's baffling that they're even saying anything. No, I know. Like, what are they, idiots? You're inviting this guy. Like, he's got all the ammo. And he, he didn't come at them at all. He just hit. That's what he said. He's like, they're going to they're gonna talk shit, and I'm going to spit facts. And that's what he said. Like, Paul George, what are you what are y'all talking about, dude? I, I hope it's not going to happen because the Blazers are going to get the eighth seed, and then they're going to be playing the Lakers, and they're probably going to get eliminated by the Lakers. It'd be a shock if they got upset. Um or if they upset the Lakers. So we're not going to see them play the Clippers, but God, would I love to watch Damian Lillard roast the fuck out of Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly is over-fucking-rated, and he's not even rated high. He, like, that's how bad he is. He's literally, he's 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 a lockdown defender who can't guard anybody. So I think it's ridiculous that they're going to try to come for Damian Lillard. I don't really know what he did, but on the last podcast, I said him and McCollum look like they're in another zone. And they called out Dame, and Dame dropped 61 points on him. So I think, I mean, that speaks for itself right there. I would love to see them play each other, but I'm sure they don't. And then the playoffs start, what, there's one, two more games left? Yeah, there's games tonight of two that need to be played, and then one of them's the Pelicans and the Magic, which that game doesn't matter for nothing. Not at all. And the other one's the Nets and the Trailblazers. If the Trailblazers win, then they'll get the eighth seed. Yep. If they uh, lose, I think they're going to get the uh, eighth seed as well. Yeah, yeah. No, they might get the ninth seed, and Memphis might get the eighth seed. Either Re- way, the Trailblazers are going to be in a play-in. Yeah, play-in with Memphis is what it's looking like. Um, Unless if the Trailblazers lose. Then the Suns. It'll be the Suns and the Trailblazers, the Suns, I think. man, fucking 8-0 in the bubble. Devin Booker is fucking lighting shit up. Um, and honestly, they got a bad... They got the shit into the stick because Giannis had to go headbutt. I don't even know who he headbutt, but he headbutt some... Oh, he, he headbutt uh, Mo Wagner from fucking Michigan. You love Michigan. <laughs> um, yeah, he headbutts him and gets suspended and then hands a win to Memphis. So really unlucky for the Suns who showed the fuck up in the bubble. Um but one team who did not show the fuck up in the bubble was the Pelicans. And as we said before, Alvin Gentry is on the hottest seats of all the hot seats. Um, I think it's a done deal. You put out an article today on the website. I think it's a done deal. He's out the door. He's done. Um, it's only a matter of time. It's not if, but when. And good. This dude's got to go, man. This dude has got to go. He's worthless. I've been saying it for years. This dude does nothing. Absolutely nothing. Every time you think he's about to call up a play, late game situation, call a timeout, okay, no, we come out and Brandon Ingram fucking dribbles a guy and then takes a step back three. Like, there's that. that's where coaches make their money. That's where fucking Greg Popovich makes his money is out of after a timeout, what are you drawing up on an inbounds play to get an easy bucket? And we never fucking have anything. So we play zero defense. We play fucking... The defense is non-existent. He wants to run, 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 and play no defense. So I'm ready for him to go. I don't know about you, even though, I mean, I guess I do. You put the article out <laughs> about it. but Yeah, it, it's interesting because Monty Williams was the head coach of the Pelicans for five years. Yep, He made the playoffs two times in that five-year period. He got fired. Mm-hmm. It's Gentry's fifth year. He's only made the playoffs one time. Yep. So, I mean, to me, he's due. But uh, it's David Griffin's decision. Yeah. Which I don't know if he has some type of friendship with with Alvin Gentry, <laughs> but at that at this point, that's the only thing that can... Well, um, well you, remember, you remember Gentry's reaction whenever we got the number one pick? Yeah. And it was announced? 
He's like fucking, he's jumping up out of his chair. He's like, let's fucking go. Like he's pumped up because he knows that bought him another year. He knew like, okay, his days are numbered. And he's like, oh my God, we got the number one pick after we traded Anthony Davis. So, but I mean, we didn't do jack shit, dude. We didn't do shit. The He does nothing. He's a placeholder. He's just a figurehead under the head coaching position. We need somebody who's going to do something. And who is that somebody? I don't know. But some Yeah, name, I'm not sure either. Some names floating around. that One that I, I kind of like is Jason Kidd. Yeah, me too. Um, Jason Kidd won a championship with the Mavericks. Yes. Did he win any other ones? Uh, not to my knowledge, but I know he was with the Nets. Um, and then who else? I think he might have even been with the Suns for a little while. Yeah, um, he was. So... That was, I mean, I was younger when Jason Kidd was playing. I'm not going to lie to you, but I definitely remember Jason Kidd. But to be honest, I remember the three-point shooting Jason Kidd. Like, Jason Kidd was not known for his three-point shot whenever he came into the league. Like, that's why I'm saying I think he would be good for Lonzo because him and Lonzo have a very similar game. I think so, yeah. And that was another storyline coming out the bubble was that Lonzo just didn't look like he wanted to be there. And a lot of people have been saying, coming out and saying that that that's been his body language of him walking around. Yeah. No, yeah, I I don't really get it. I guess he knew, like, I mean, not much was going to come for it, but we were fighting for a fucking playoff spot, dude. You're professional. you got to show up ready to play day in and day out. Um, yeah, but, I mean, uh, then again, that goes on coaching, dude. Like, No, it does. Your yeah. coach has to have Rally the intensity the to make the players want to play. Yeah, no, I agree. Rally, you know? rally the fucking troops. And that was the thing I mentioned. I was like, the only year we made the playoffs, Ray John Rondo was on our team. Yeah. And if you even watch, go back and watch games from that year, you'll see Rondo getting everybody together, oh, especially in crucial timeouts. He's the coach on the floor. And, he, yeah, Rondo's got such a high basketball IQ. Like, I don't think people realize how smart of a basketball player Rajon Rondo is. That dude could be a coach the day he retires if he wants to. It, he didn't always gel with coaches because he kind of had the attitude. And But it's like when you know so much, if you know more than the guy that's fucking telling you what to do, you're going to be like, this fucking dude doesn't know shit. So... Rajon Rondo's basketball IQ is second to none. Um, but no, I look, I've defended Lonzo numerous times, but it is what it is. He didn't show up to play. Um, I'm excited for this next season because he's going to have a full offseason to really go at his game. He's not going to be rehabbing any injuries, uh, at least to my knowledge. We'll have Zion can get rested up, ready to go. If I think Brandon Ingram's got to make a decision if he's coming back to the Pels or not. I believe. I think he's up this year. Yeah. Uh, big mistake that they made this year. What's that? Well, they could have re-signed him. Yeah. Or at least made him a restricted free agent or and something. He, lo- he fucking So they could have extended him early in this year, but if you remember, he got injured at one point. Yeah. And there was like a big uncertainty on what was going on with that, and it was right at the extension deadline. Somebody's going to offer him a lot of money. And now he's a unrestricted free agent. They're going to offer him a lot of money. Uh, I'm not going to say a max deal yet, but I mean he's got the potential, dude. He's got what a he average twenty four points a game. Yeah, he's got. He a can shit rebound. That's a good. I mean, he can play guard or forward. Yep. And he can he can rebound. So like when you have a lengthy guy that can play like a guard but get rebounds, that's definitely an advantage. Yeah. So, no, somebody's going to offer him a lot of money, and I think he'll be willing to re-sign with the Pelicans, but um, I think he likes New Orleans, you know? No, that I it's do a too. quiet 
thing. He can just focus on basketball, and that's it. That's what he wants to do. He just wants to play basketball. That's why I think his career got off to a little bit of a slow start in Los Angeles. You know, big yeah. city lights may have gotten to him, but, uh, yeah, the Pelicans are going to have to pay for him. No, I agree, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what type of, like, if we do fire Gentry, how all that impacts his decision. Yeah. No, I, I think I, they got to know, dude. It's time for Gentry to go. But, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Fact of the I matter mean, he is. Ca- did, did you see the tweet I put in there where he called a timeout when we had, like, a wide-open fast break? Yeah. Towards the end, <laughs> yeah. it was like. No, I know. He doesn't. It just. He's. He's. I just don't fucking like him. He's unaware. Yeah, he A is. lot of times, like, if you watched a Spurs game, when Popovich, you know, you call timeouts to disrupt the momentum of the po- opposing team. Yeah, when and they're to going try on to run, re- yeah. Popovich calls them before it happens. Yeah. Alvin Gentry's always, you know, we could be winning by 15. A day late he'll a call. Short. He'll call timeout when we're down by five. Yeah. No, yeah, always a day late and a dollar short. He's... Yeah, no. There's levels to being a good coach. There really is. That's why the great ones get recognized. Everybody else is middle of the pack because anybody can be a figurehead and be a head coach. Like, But the ones who actually have an impact, it's hard to rally all those egos together and get them to all commit to something. So that's what Phil Jackson was so good at. Alvin Gentry is a natural-born loser. He, he fucking lost everywhere he went. He, he, won a, he got a ring for being an assistant coach with the Warriors. I could have fucking done anything that Alvin Gentry did. All Alvin Gentry did was fucking rebound at practice. Like <laughs> I could have got a ring for that. Um but yeah, I mean it is what it is. Pelicans didn't show up. So uh but we got playoff basketball coming up. Uh and I, I mean the competition's been pretty good in my opinion. So I, I have no no real complaints under the circumstances that we're dealing with. But we shall see. Next year, I think will be interesting. Who God knows when next year will even start, but the future the future is bright for the Pelicans. But we have a big decision to make with who our next head coach is going to be. That is going to definitely have a, a a very large impact on what we do next. And I'm not comparing us to the Warriors by any means, but think about that Warrior team. They were fucking good, and we were we're nowhere near as good as that Warrior team was um, when they had Mark Jackson, and then they got rid of Mark Jackson, and then Steve Kerr came in, and that. I still think Mark Jackson got the shit into the stick because he could have coached them to those rings too. They, yeah, I that, think that, so. that bus drove itself. But, I mean, you never know. What if Steve Kerr did have that fucking little extra to really push him, like, to the next level? So, and I get that's a fucking tough comparison. That's arguably the greatest basketball team of all time. Um, but coaches have an impact. The right coach and the right system, uh, bringing in the right system with the right personnel, I mean – who knows? But Griffin's made good decisions. So um, a lot of people were upset with him about how they're handling Zion, this and that. They're going by what the medical team says. Griffin's made pretty much nothing but good decisions so far. Um, and he's got another big decision to make coming up very shortly. So preferably in like four hours when they when they fire Alvin Gentry. But um, I don't know. We shall see. But all right. We're approaching 48 minutes on the podcast. Uh, UFC 251. 252. 252. Uh, Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier. Louisiana boy. Um, the trilogy. The rubber match. What are we... Uh, it's actually... I know Sean O'Malley's on this card too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm betting Sean O'Malley. Uh, first round knockout. I can tell you that right <laughs> now. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. You said he's fighting Marlon Vera? 
Yeah. What are the odds on that? Um, Sean O'Malley's a minus three ten favorite. Yeah, I figured, but I'm sure you're getting you're getting decent but, uh, decent plus money on a first round knockout. Probably definitely be one of the best fighters O'Malley's faced yet. Yeah. So like, uh, Marlon Vera lost to that Chinese guy, uh, Song Yedong or Yang Yedong Song. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, He's like a shorter. Yeah. Well, uh, it's his only loss, right? Vera. Oh yeah, yeah. O'Malley's undefeated. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, but in that fight, you look at him. He he does have a decent stand up, but not nearly as good as O'Malley. Uh, he has a strong jujitsu background, so Uh that'll be interesting to see if that comes into play. But I think O'Malley's trained in jujitsu, so yeah. I mean, I think O'Malley's a pretty safe bet. No, yeah, definitely. And I'm gonna be betting on him. But I'm going to be parlaying it with, with my bet in the main event. Well, do you have any other fights that you like? Um, I mean, I look forward to seeing some of these fights. Uh, I mean, Ro- Rosenstruck is going to fight Dos oh, Santos. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you have someone that you like in that fight. I think Dos Santos can win. I like Dos Santos, actually. Yeah. He's an underdog, plus 110. Well, Rosenstruck was um, the guy that fought. Just got fucked up by Nagano. Yeah. Uh, but who did he fight before that? He fought somebody before that, and he didn't look good. Uh, I don't know. He knocked a lot of people out. I can't remember who it was, but um, he knocked out Overeem. No, that's what it was. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Overeem he was beating him up. He was losing the whole fucking fight, and then he catches him big time right at the fucking end of the round, and knocks him out. He was gonna lose that fight, guaranteed. Did not look good, and um, obviously we saw he calls out Francis Nagano. Big mistake. Got absolutely. Basically, you saw a murder. Uh, is what you saw. Within like the first thirty seconds, and then, so I mean he, but I mean that's the whole hungry dogs run faster analogy. Like this is the critical for him. If he loses this fight, after not looking good against Overeem, kind of catching him with a lucky shot, he was getting dominated that whole fight, and then getting fucked up by uh, Francis Naganu, which he fucks up a lot of people, but still. And then if you lose to an, a fucking seasoned Junior Dos Santos, I mean it's not looking good for him, you know. Yeah, and I think you could be right. Dos Santos could win this fight. Uh, Rosentruck's got to be a pretty big favorite, right? No. Really? Minus 130. Really? So, I, I mean, it's it more than a that. little bit up in the air. Do, Dos Santos guess, has always been a guy that... I guess a lot of... I guess Vegas is kind of agreeing with me because I was going to say, if it was like plus 170, plus 180, I was going to say that's good, good value on Dos Santos, in my opinion. Yeah, he's plus 110, but he's coming off a two... Losses um, against Nagano mm-hmm. and Curtis Blades. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know, but um, who are we talking? Dos Santos beat yeah. Derek Lewis. That is knocked true. Derek Lewis out. Yep. So, and he knocked Tua uh, Tavasa out, who was an up and comer in the heavyweight division at one point. Yeah. So, dude, I think Dos Santos could be a good bet. I'm not going to say do it just yet, but it yeah. could be one that I end up doing no, yeah, that I'm, night. I'm going to look a little bit more into it, but, yeah, no. I Of the two, I don't see myself betting Rosenstruck. I don't think there's any way I could justify that. Um, but, again, I'll look into it a little more. Um, obviously, all of our picks that we decide to go with, we will put out on the Big Easy Bets Twitter. Uh, if there's anything specific that you have questions about that we don't touch on, then you can always message at Big Easy Bets, and uh, I'll get back to you. But 
Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to the Sean O'Malley fight. I know you said Gilbert Burns' brother's on this card. Yeah, Herbert Burns. Herbert Burns. Okay. I look forward to watching him. He's a big favorite, but yeah. probably not going to bet on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he'll impress, though. But um, do you have any other fights that you like, or are we going straight to the main event? No, we're going straight to the main event. All right. Like I said, the rubber match, trilogy, um, potentially the last fight of Daniel Cormier's illustrious career. Um, what are the odds on this? So it's almost it's it was a pick'em for yeah a while, but uh, as of late, Daniel Cormier has become a slight favorite. What's slight? Uh, in some places he's minus one fifteen, which is usually the pick'em odds. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in other places he's minus one twenty. Uh, Stipe's minus one hundred five or minus one ten. So I bet on Stipe fight number one. He obviously lost. And then I doubled down and bet on Stipe again, fight number two, and he wound up getting a stoppage over Cormier, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah. That was what we were talking about. All the, he started peppering him with body shots. Cormier gassed himself. Cormier looks fat every fight. Always has, always will. Um, but he's like that athletic fat. It's weird. Um, Stipe's got some heavy hands. Cormier has really good wrestling, like top-tier wrestling. Um, Cormier told... Stipe to make sure he wears his wrestling shoes, which could be a little bit of mind games, but he could just fucking go and take him to the ground and sit on him. So, I mean, how do you see this fight going and which way are you leaning? So in the first fight, we had Cormier knocked him out fairly quickly in the first round. In the second fight, we saw Cormier dominating in the beginning. It looked like he was going to knock him out again at one point. Yeah. The fight didn't get stopped, but uh, Stipe survived. And in the fourth round, uh, Cormier's gassed at this point. Stipe, like you said, starts hit landing the body shots, and that ultimately what uh, ended up finishing mm-hmm. Cormier, yeah. led to the finish. But in this fight, I don't know. It's supposed to be Cormier's last fight. He's coming out and saying that he's going to retire after this fight, that this win, he's claiming that he will win and that they'll cement his legacy. I mean, he does have a fucking good legacy. No, he really does, and I still think that there may be a, a little bit of unfinished business there with John Jones, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking that's the only, like, if he wins this yeah, fight. That'd be the only thing that drew him back, drew him back into yeah, the Yeah, that's the only thing that I think will bring him back, but. In his mind right now, this is his last fight. Yeah. I think that him saying, yeah, put on the wrestling shoes, that could be foreshadowing what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think Cormier's could, could he, I think he's even the more talented striker. But he, really? what he has to do, like, in order to hit Stipe, he really has to extend his body upwards, you know? So, yeah. like, he's fighting on his tippy toes, which opens up his, his yep. body yep. for pits. So, he's got to be mindful of that. Uh, to not get caught with body shots, and I think that the wrestling could be with doing that. I think that this fight's going to go five rounds, and I think Cormier's probably going to win the decision. Yeah. No, yeah, I think if it goes to decision, then, yeah, I think Cormier's going to win. Um, for Stipe to win, he's going to have to stop him again, in my opinion. Um, just because, I mean... But, I mean, if, yeah, if you look at it, like, they fought for four rounds, and so five total rounds... Daniel Cormier's won the majority of those rounds and in, in, in those two fights. Yeah. And he's quick enough 
and tactical enough with a strike and to land on Stipe. It's just that he was hitting Stipe with good shots in that mm. second fight, but he couldn't put him away like he did in the first fight. And I think that's ultimately what he was trying to do, and that's what ended up getting him in trouble in the fourth round was that he was just out of gas. Yeah. And I don't think that that's going to happen this fight. I think that you're going to see a Daniel Cormier that's more prepared for to go into the later rounds. No, yeah, I do kind of agree with you. Um the plus money on Stipe is kind of enticing. I have bet on Stipe number one and number two. Um, but honestly, I think I'm leaning Cormier. The more and more I think about it, I, the wrestling, It's that's why with um, Kamaru Usman, like when in doubt, you can take him down and you can sit on him and you can regain control. You That wrestling is a fallback, like it's a security blanket. Cormier does have good striking. Um, I don't know if that I would... I don't know. He definitely doesn't have as much power as Stipe, but maybe of overall striking ability, you could definitely make an argument that Cormier I mean, is Stipe's better. got a giant reach advantage, but other than that, you know, you look at the accuracy of, yeah. of Cormier, and then just the striking exchanges that have happened in the fights that just look like yeah. DC's been better, other than that short flurry of body shots that Stipe hit in the fourth round yep. that led to the finish of, of Cormier. Yeah, no, that's so the I, only time that Stipe's really looked, you know, yeah, like he's gotten the better of the exchanges against Cormier so far. No, yeah, I think Stipe is the pick. There. I mean, not Stipe. I think Cormier is the pick there. Um, the more and more I think about it, I mean, it, it's pretty close odds. You don't have to. It's not like he's a huge favorite. So if you can get it at minus one fifteen, like you said, that's basically that's pick on odds. Um, I mean, you're not getting plus money with Stipe, but he is the underdog. So you're getting minus 105 or minus 110. Okay. Then, yeah. No, yeah. You got to. Like, he's a slight favorite. Like, barely any favorite. But no plus money. So, yeah. If you were getting plus money, then, yeah, I would say that's kind of enticing with Stipe. Which it could end up going towards plus money for Stipe, which, I don't know. It's like Daniel Cormier, he's like a guy who cried when he lost to John Jones. So it's like that's a little bit worrying about, like, what is his mental st- You know, like, <laughs> if he's a guy that lost and he cried at the end, like, what did that do for your legacy? So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's the only thing that worries me. Because he cried? Because he cried when he lost against John Jones. <laughs> I mean, I know he wanted to win and everything, but. The crying didn't turn me off that bad. Like, it wasn't like. It's just like mentally. Like, it what was is- like, I don't know. I looked at that as like, that's the passion. Like, that's how bad this dude wanted it. But, yeah, I mean, it, he was a weird crier, too. Like. He had that little, like, fucking sad puppy cry. So, yeah, no, I mean, but it's hard to have a manly cry, I guess. No, but I think that he's going to win, but I think if he doesn't, that it's going to have dramatic effects on his psychology. That's you, think, you think he's going to break down? <laughs> no, crying? I think so, dude. Like, he's... I don't know if he'll, like, cry, but, like, he's definitely... It's definitely, like, this is his legacy at yeah. stake to him for this fight. So, yeah. I don't know, you can look at that as... One way or the other, yeah. I'm gonna look at it as like it's a must-win for him. No, so. yeah, I think I'm I'm leaning Cormier too. I'm probably gonna go with Cormier on this. Um, I don't bet on don't bet on him very often, and I tend to support the Louisiana guys. But I've honestly, I don't know if I've ever bet on Daniel Cormier to be quite honest. Um, but this might be the time. Um, yeah, I'm excited though. I'm definitely excited. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm most excited for that Sean O'Malley fight. Got to see if the hype 
is really real. We say this every fight. Yeah, I think this is a good fight, like fight for him, though. Yeah. It's not putting him too, like launching him too far into So this it's guy's not a, ranked. It's still a test. Though. He's not a top 15 guy, yeah. Marlon Vera, but he's if, still a very good if fighter. If he wins this fight in definitely in devastating fashion, he is going to get a top 15 fight after this. No, for sure. There's no way you can't. So, honestly, he'll be fighting somebody probably within the top 10. But I think, like, yeah, I think that this guy... There is going to be a good test for him. I think O'Malley's definitely in a different class, but I think he still needs to prove that to everybody else. Yeah, no, I agree. So, yeah, I'm excited. UFC 252 on Saturday. Um, we'll get. I'll put out uh, me and Nick's official picks on the Big Easy Bets Twitter page, but it's sounding like we're going. Lean and Dos Santos, don't know if we're officially on it yet. Obviously, um, we think O'Malley's going to win. I'm going to bet on first-round knockout. Um, Nick thinks the main event's going to go the distance, and he's got Cormier winning by decision. Um, so, yeah. You got anything else before we wrap up episode 49? Yeah, just to clarify, the bets I'm going to be um, – I've already made mm-hmm. for this. Is oh, I'm, you've already placed them? I've placed bets, yeah, two okay. bets already. Uh, a parlay, Sean O'Malley, right. minus 310, yep. and then Daniel Cormier, minus 120. So okay. that parlay, and then I've double-dipped on a single bet on Cormier. So okay. I'm double-dipping on Cormier here. Yep, just like we fucking quadruple-dipped on Max Holloway. Mm. You got fucked with that. But um, but I don't know, dude. I might do a little three-leg parlay and throw Dos Santos in there. That could be a sizable payout. Could make it a four-way and go with Burns. Oh, yeah, you're right. I might as well do the whole damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Episode 49 of Big Easy Bets. That'll wrap it up. Uh, brought to you by the Neutral Ground Sports Network. Go check out the website. Check out the Facebook page. We're on Twitter. We're everywhere. Anybody who's got an interest in sports blogging or doing a podcast, get in touch with me. We're looking for new people. We always are looking to expand and grow. we got a lot more uh, exciting content on the way. Football season is almost here. We've, we're there, Like I said, I've been saying it for weeks. There's light at the end of this tunnel, and it's getting brighter. Uh Bubble basketball has been a success, in my opinion, and the playoffs are here. I'm still rolling with these baseball bets. Uh, so if you need a pick, message me at Big Easy Bets on Twitter. That'll do it. Y'all have a good one. Who dat?